Welcome to the official Bathtub Refinishing Podcast, powered by Bathtub Guys Refinishing. This is where we discuss the refinishing industry, interview owners and operators, and give tips to customers and entrepreneurs. Now, here's your host, Daniel Montalvo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, This is the official Bathtub Refinishing Podcast, powered by bathtub guys refinishing i'm excited to be back for episode two a lot of people have been asking for it um i got this cool new microphone stand hopefully it makes me look more professional and uh doesn't interfere uh with me being closer to the mic i'm kind of going for a more asmr sounding podcast i want my voice to sound very crispy <laughs> but anyway, um, I wanted to get on the podcast today to discuss some topics uh, that have been on my mind. I need to remember to keep looking. And for the, those of you who are watching the video version, you know, I just keep looking down here at my uh, screen, which is um, where I am. But I should be looking at you guys because that's where the camera is. Anyway, um, I want to talk about some things that have been on my mind and I wanted to share them with you guys. Some topics that I think you guys would find valuable, um, not just in the bathtub refinishing industry, but really in any industry um, that has to do with renovation or construction or anything that, you know, you own your own business, um, especially, you know, just general things that I think you guys would find valuable. So... The first thing that I have, it's 2021, guys. Um, and with that has come a lot of changes in the way we do things uh, as business owners. I mean, back in the day, uh, there was the printing press and, uh, you know, conventional media. And uh, nowadays, uh, you know, I am of the school of thought that we are in, in an unprecedented time where you have the power to get to millions and millions and millions of people with one thing. And that's this right here. For those of you who don't know what I'm showing because you're watching or uh, you're listening to the audio version, uh, the cell phone. The cell phone is perhaps the greatest invention for entrepreneurs in the modern era because we have these things called apps and some of them happen to be social media. Social media is in 2021 and for the past five, six years or so, been the single most important thing in business that you could ever imagine. I mean, um, the power to connect seamlessly and instantaneously with millions and millions of people that you don't know or who may be interested in your business is just uh, something that's, that's never been around. And I think too many people sleep on social media, especially, especially for those of you who don't know, I'm Hispanic. Uh, I look white, but I was born in America, but my parents are both Hispanic. The Hispanic community sleeps on, on social media and very much they still are of the mindset that word of mouth is all that they need. Um, you know, maybe post a couple of things every now and then on social media, but they don't take it seriously. And I think that that is a big disservice. I also, I also think that uh, small business owners in general don't do enough on social media and don't appreciate its power. Um, a lot of people would gladly spend $500, uh, and I'm talking about people of the old mindset on a newspaper ad, if they knew for a fact that that $500 was going to get in front of 10,000 people. But what you don't understand is that with social media, the price for people's attention is undervalued. 
So, for example, Facebook ads. Um, you could spend $15 a day on Facebook and easily get 100,000 people in front of your ad. In front of your ad. And the beauty about Facebook is that you can target. And I'll, and I'll go, I'll, I'll do a video uh, or a podcast where I go more, more into depth of what I mean by this. But you can target exactly who you want. And when you get good at it, you'll have multiple audiences. Um, and, um, you know, you can target specifically people who are homeowners or people who are into a certain band and, and, and you know, things like that. And it just, it, it, it's something that could help any type of business. Um, so it's not just construction renovation work. Uh, you know, you could target Let's say you have a local bakery or something. I mean, you could target people who love cookies in Kissimmee or in Orlando or in, you know, Sacramento, California, and you could do a 15 mile radius and only show that ad to, 100,000 people in your area and get more local customers, which are cheaper to acquire and are also cheaper to supply business to, uh, especially for service-based uh, businesses I'm talking about. But, um, you know, you can get more of them for cheap. So um, people underutilize social media. And not just that, um, too many people just don't post enough on social media. Um, I was one of those people. And I used to just do my one post a day and thought it was enough, but got news for you. It's not one post a day is not enough. There is a millions and millions and millions of posts daily on these social media sites. And you need to try to eat up as much real estate on this platform as possible. Um, and by this platform, I mean social media in general. So Facebook, uh, Instagram is a big one. Twitter. I always tell people this, um, Google my business is a, is a killer one for small businesses locally. Uh, not enough people talk about that one, but, um, it's the first impression people have of your business. If they're looking you up and you have a Google uh, page and you should have one because that's where people go to look at reviews and pictures of the work and all of that. So, um, underutilized, um, so you should be doing at least five posts a day. In my opinion, if you're a service-based industry, um, I don't know about other ones, but I would imagine it's, you know, more or less in that range. And when you, when I say five a day, uh, it doesn't all have to be, you know, some crazy good piece of content because there's different flavors for different people. So, um, at bathtub guys, uh, our social media team does a, um, before and after video with music. That's kind of the big post of the day. And then we do customer tips um, active refinisher tips. So we're supplying value to customers because they go on our Instagram page and they'll see, um, a whole slew of tips. I think we've, we've done 48 days in a row now, um, where we supply customers with tips on, uh, what to expect in refinishing, how to care for the refinished surfaces, for example, and just little things that, you know, we've picked up over time and we're giving them value there. And then on top of that, giving value to other people in your industry. Uh, too many people are fed up and are uh, caught up in, in uh, beating their competition. But the fact of the matter is that um, nothing is a secret. I mean, you learn the trade from somebody and they learn it from someone else and they learn it from someone else. And the fact of the matter is all you're doing is hindering the growth of the industry by keeping everything locked up and pretending like you got some secret sauce that no one else has. So uh, we share active refinisher tips. I give uh, a lot of good tips on there on how to 
uh, you know, make jobs come out better for people in our industry because I want to see the, refin- the, the refinishing industry grow and I don't care if it hurts me to make it grow. I just want to be up there at the end to say, hey, uh, you see all these companies that are doing this? Well, we are on record to be the ones who told people to do that and I want to be kind of looked at as uh, one of the people who made this industry grow. So I feel like us giving customer and and especially the active refinisher tips uh, supply people with a lot of value and I see a lot of people liking that. And, and another part of that too is the podcast which um, which w- what we're starting to do is kind of cut them into clips and post that as something additional. And this podcast is really more for people in the industry. Um, I'm sure eventually some customers will watch it and, you know, that's fine. But this is really for people in the bathtub refinishing industry, in renovation and construction or any type of business who wants uh, business advice from someone who's, you know, pretty successful uh, in their own right, you know, with a business or, or, you know, running a small business. So definitely, definitely, definitely don't sleep on social media. If you can't spend any money, you need to go on places where you can get the most attention for the least amount of money, or in that case, no money. So LinkedIn, LinkedIn is, uh, the timeline is random. It's not like Facebook where you go on and the posts of the day are all kind of in an order or Instagram. Uh, when you go on LinkedIn, the timeline's a mess. And the beauty of that is that it's very easy for you to get discovered. So post three or four things on LinkedIn a day if you can. Uh, and when I say if you can, it's not, well, uh, I don't really feel like it. It's like, well, if you want the business to grow, that's what you got to do. Um, also, um, don't post things exactly how you post them in other social media sites on LinkedIn, especially if you're B2B business to business where you're selling to another business. Um, you know, LinkedIn is kind of an exception in the social media realm where it is, does attract more professionals and people who are expecting uh, a certain level of professionalism on there. So you can't be super, super laid back and post, you know, things on there that, you know, are kind of unsavory or kind of controversial. So you want to make sure you keep the posts kind of relevant and make sure you're just targeting who you want to see the ad uh, or, you know, the post in that case, because we're not talking about ads right now. We're talking about uh, getting people to see your content without spending money so linkedin's a really really good one another one that's underutilized as fuck oh my god people do you guys do not understand the power of tiktok um tiktok for you those of you who don't know and i don't know how you wouldn't know because it's you know one of the most popular new social media sites is a site where you post little clips uh usually accompanied by music but it's tiktok is an interesting one because i feel like it's we kind of want to put it in a box where it's kind of like this thing where people just lip sync songs and do dances and stuff but then it's turned into this whole thing where people are starting to do like series of videos short vlogs where they show their day-to-day in like you know 30 second to a minute intervals um and and you know the thing about tiktok is that it's so new and still has this giant massive base of people you can post something and, and listen closely on TikTok, uh, about TikTok because this one's important and I've gotten jobs from TikTok, believe it or not. Um, and we're a small business only located in Orlando, Florida. And so, you know, it's crazy that on this gigantic platform, we've gotten jobs and, and there have been fairly big jobs from this, you know, site just posting stuff. 
on TikTok, you can post a video and it can be seen by tens of thousands of people with no copy, which means no text, no headline, nothing like that. I mean, granted, it helps if you do, obviously, because people want to know what the hell they're clicking on. But you can post it with no copy and no tags and get tens of thousands of views. I mean, that's unprecedented. Like, th this is something that's I've never seen it happen. Um, and, and it's just because of the sheer volume of people on this site that there's a good chance that you get recommended to someone or you show up on someone's timeline. And, and, and so TikTok is a place to get a lot of people to have their eyes on you without breaking the bank, without spending money. And I think they just started rolling out their ad platform. But uh, if you have no money, uh, even just posting stuff on TikTok, you'll get a couple hundred views. But uh, after time, um, if you you know get some good copy in there, get some something that's interesting and will grab people's attention as far as a headline, and you reply to comments and kind of build a little community, you can get big on TikTok and it will help you. I have gotten jobs off TikTok and I have not put any money into that. And you know, it's all about providing people value. I mean, and value is subjective. To some people, it's um, something directly related to the job you're going to do. But for some people, it's just entertaining them. Um, some people have value in just being entertained by it before and after. So it's very important. Don't sleep on TikTok. Um, and, you know, kind of going into that of uh, what some people find valuable. You always want to make sure that as a small business, you're providing people uh, good customer service and a good experience. So, um, and, and again, like I said, that's subjective. You obviously don't want to be a yes man and do stuff that's out of your realm just because you're trying to be a nice and give the best customer care ever. But also, you, you do want to make the experience pleasant. And something that's under uh, kind of undervalued and underappreciated is giving people uh, flexibility with the way you schedule, the way you do quotes, things like that. So what I mean by that is if someone uh, calls you, try to make it as easy as possible, depending on you know how you hear them. If you, they, you hear that they're a fairly young person, you can kind of safely assume that they're kind of busy or you know you hear a baby crying in the background. They're probably busy. Their parents, they got stuff to do during the day. They have a job. And so they probably don't want to be on the phone this whole time and hear your whole shindig about, you know, how you're going to fucking sell them and how you're going to have the biggest fucking, the, you know, you know what I mean? The, you know, you're, you're the best and, you know, no one comes close and all that. that nobody cares about that shit. Um, in the new age, people just want the answer to their questions and they'll make their own decisions. So make it, make it a good experience. If they text you, you hear a baby crying in the background. Hey, can you text me some pictures of what you want to get refinished? What you want done? What's in, you know, if you can quote by picture, I'm talking about, you know, this is a specific case for us, but this is something that I do. Uh, can you text us a picture? Okay. Most of the time, nine out of 10 times crying baby in the background, they're going to want to send a picture. Number one, they're kind of embarrassed that the baby's crying in the background. Number two, it's a child. So they have to go take care of it. And what you're doing is delivering them a great experience because now they don't have to be on the phone. They don't have to, uh, you know, keep the baby waiting or, you know, uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like they don't have to go away from their life to go and sit there and have a conversation and hear you jack off about on the phone about how great your company is. So, uh, 
the the important thing is to give people a good experience so they'll go ahead send you pictures give them a detailed quote let them know expectations let them know pricing let them know about how long it's going to take if there's anything special that they need to know let them know in the quote right away try to give them the most accurate quote possible if you kind of deal in ballparks because there's fluctuations in pricing because material costs go up and down give them a range of pretty much what it's going to cost always go a little bit over if you're going to do ranges always do a go a little bit over because it's better to surprise people with a lesser bill than to surprise someone with something higher if you give people a range a ballpark range and you go over the higher amount normally they'll think that you're trying to rip them off or they're you know they think that that's the maximum that the job would have cost so you want to make sure you do something like that but it's all about giving people a good experience man i i I, there's nothing worse than you, you get one of those scam likely calls and someone's like selling you on their new fucking system to get business and i'm gonna give you 30 leads of a week how does that sound and I ask them how they do it and how much it costs. And, you know, they're beating around the fucking bush trying to sell you on how their system is revolutionary and it's the best thing since fucking sliced bread. When in reality, like, you know, it, it, that's not that's a waste of time. And most people work. Most people, you know, either work or have kids or got something going on. So you don't want to take up too much people's time. If you can quote by picture, number one, it's going to make your life easier. And the reason that I say that is you're going to have everything written down and everything that's been agreed upon is going to be through text message. Um, unless, you know, they send the pictures and then they call back to get a quote. In which case, what I always do is I summarize the conversation that we had and I send it through them to them through text right after we're done talking on the phone. But again, it's going to be easier for you. Then also, if they call you and, uh, you know, you do the whole text thing and they send you pictures, uh, what you can go ahead and do after the fact is if, let's say, they ghost you for a couple months and then they call you back and it's like, hey, my name is John and I called. All you got to do is go in your phone, um, ask for the phone number and go back to that text conversation and you'll either see the little summary you you sent them of the conversation you had with the quoted price and the terms or, you know, the quoted price and the terms that you texted them um, either way. And you're, you know, you're on the ball and, and it makes them feel like you remembered them, which is good. Um, and you know, they'll feel more appreciated and more likely to give you their business. So uh, experience is, is, is a key. Also, when you do answer the phone, don't do the, Oh, what's up? Or hello. And not say who you're, you know, who you are, because most businesses, tell you where they're from it, it doesn't even matter like if you know where you are they'll tell you like you know this is the brand if you're building brand you want that name thrown around okay so like let's say for example you go to mcdonald's they'll say welcome to mcdonald's like they, they don't you know and you know where you are but it's that reinforcement of the brand and its importance and also people want to know that they're calling the right place from the jump so what i always do is thank you for calling the bathtub guys this is daniel how may i help you perfect do something like that. Let them know right away what's what. And another way to provide very, very good value and, and a good experience is to just make sure that when you send people out that you're on time, uh, your guys are in uniform 
and uh, that you know they're professional, they're courteous to the customer, and you know they're not smoking in front of these people's driveway, throwing cigarette buds or something like that. You want to make sure that they're uh, they, they respect these people's property and stuff because people are wary about contractors, and and especially nowadays they get scared and. Uh, you know, you don't want them to think that you're a thug or something and start recording you. And next thing you know, you're on Facebook or something. So those are just some, some tips that I have about that. Um, always, always, always with customers, outline the job details, what you're going to be doing, uh, the expectations of how the job's going to come out. And uh, you should never work without a contract. Um, uh, we always make people sign a work authorization. It gives us uh, uh, the... the uh, legal authority to be on the property um and we also um, make them sign it so that they agree to pay in full upon completion that's very very important because some people think that uh you know they, they have a warranty before they've paid for the job and so <laughs> they'll be like oh i'll pay you when you come fix it and it's like well no i mean you can't just steal a car and then you know something breaks down on it and call the insurance company like hey uh i know i stole this car but um uh, you know, something's wrong with the taillight. Like, it doesn't work like that. If you don't pay for the job or you haven't paid for the job, you don't have a warranty. The warranty is authorized after we've been paid in full. So we always make customers sign that so that they know. Once we're paid in full, warranty's good. You call us, we'll fix your problems. But if you don't pay, we can't warranty the work. I actually had a problem with this uh, the other day with some customers. <laughs> uh, the, the technicians, they, they forgot to get the work authorization signed. Uh, they went over there, did a job. There, there was some problems with it. Um, and unfortunately, what ended up happening was we had to pull out of the job because uh, they had paid us in full, but then they did, uh, they did a check reversal and they took the $1,200 away from us and they didn't tell us. Uh, and so we went and started on the bathroom to do the fixes. But then I go and I see that, you know, that they pulled the money. And at no point did they ever say, hey, we were dissatisfied with the job. We didn't think you would come because we've been screwed over by contractors in the past. So uh, we pulled the check and, you know, we'll pay you once everything is right. You know, even that I wouldn't have been mad at. But the fact that they didn't tell us at all that they pulled the payment. And then just expected us to fix something for free. I did not see any indication from them that they were going to tell us that. Uh, on the contrary, they did say, oh, you know, I mean, we paid for this job, so it better come out right. And it's like, I, I knew at that point already that they didn't pay. But what I did was I made them sign the work authorization, um, you know, and, and then, you know, after the fact, I let them know, hey, you guys didn't even pay for the job because you did a check reversal. Uh, they got fed up with us and, and kicked us out of their home, uh, which I don't have a problem with. I just, you know, I just, I'm just letting you know, I don't do jobs for free. We do not work for free. So we were already halfway through the fixes. Half the wall was sanded and I pulled the guys because they refused to pay me. And at that point, once you start getting into the territory of reversing checks and that kind of sketchy business, I mean, because we held up our end of the deal. We came back to re replace it or to repair it. I answered the phone. Uh, I told them, you know, this is what we can do for you. We can go back and fix it. And after we discuss it with the technicians, I find this out. Um, you know, I'm not working for free. So I made sure that they had already partially sanded it before I go and tell them, hey, you guys reverse the check. I need the money now or we're going to leave the bathroom like that. Because I was not about to leave them with a $1,200 job for free. And mind you, I left them the job at $1,200. I went against my own rule. Um, that job was worth like $1,600 because it was a full bathroom, uh, 
one of those old school bathrooms with a tub and the tile throughout the bathroom and it had to be completely stripped and then refinished um and the area that they were complaining about was minuscule 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 i mean it was a little tiny area so for them to pull the twelve hundred dollars it's not like we went in there and the fucking walls were falling off or some shit they literally just pulled it because they were dissatisfied with like a little tiny area and i guarantee you anything we would have fixed that and if i would not have brought up the fact that they pulled the payment they would have just pretended like they paid us because up until that point they knew damn well that they pulled the payment and they did not have the the courage to tell us hey you know or the you know the courtesy to let us know hey we pulled the payment uh we didn't know because we've been screwed by contractors and we were scared that you weren't going to come so uh we're glad you're here but once you're done we'll, we'll pay you in full i would have been cool with that and normally you know i shouldn't be because you know I I don't see the logic in expecting warranty fixes if you haven't paid for the job. I just I, it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. And people, it's there's so much entitlement. People think that they're entitled uh, to get things fixed without paying for them. And it's like those are the people that that you know they they make the job difficult because those are the people that if you saw the first episode, you know what I was talking about, where you tell them. Uh, that's why it's so important to set expectations because we tell people this is not going to come out perfect. And sometimes people are under the impression because their friend or their boyfriend had it done or somebody had it done in the family and they say it came out perfect. But like I said, what's perfect to you might not be perfect to me. Perfect is subjective. So we tell people, hey, it's going to look good. It's going to look better than what you had, but it's a refinished job at the end of the day. It's not going to come out perfect. If you want perfect and brand new out of the factory, you have to go pay for it. That's not what we do. Refinishing is a refinishing job. We go, we spray it with a good epoxy that's going to last you some time. Um, It looks really good. Most people would say it looks brand new. But like I said, some people see a little fucking speck of dirt and, you know, they get their fucking titties in a twist. (laughs) Uh and, you know, they'll, they'll say that it looks like shit because of something dumb like that. Um, which even the manufacturer says that if it is, you know, something like a little speck that landed on the tub or something like that, it washes away with normal use and cleaning. It's not something that's, you know, you have to have a heart attack over. So, um, and also you got to remember refinishing is done in a non-controlled environment. And a lot of people, especially people who have painted cars, think it's the same fucking thing. Oh my God, they're so annoying with that. Like, oh, I painted cars or my brother painted cars. And so I know how it is. You don't know how it is because tubs are painted in a non-controlled uh, space. Not like painting a car where you're in a controlled space that's closed off. Also, cars... The people who paint cars suck so bad. They can't they can't get it right on the first or second try. They have to spray like five coats on that thing, sand it in between coats because of how dry and, and rough it comes out, and then spray like 10 layers of clear for that thing to even look good. So, uh, I've just pissed a lot of car guys off. I know it's not exactly just because they're bad. I mean, that's the process for painting a car uh, and for it to get that like uh, super, super high gloss um, protective layer on there. But... It's unlike refinishing a tub where, you know, we don't spray 10 layers of fucking clear coat on there uh, to bail us out later. <laughs> so it's, it's a different process. And that's one that I hate, too. So but you got to You got to clarify the expectations on how you get paid um, on 
how you want them to sign. That's another thing. You got to let them know that they have to sign a paper too, because especially in the refinishing industry, I'm not sure about others, construction in general, I I bet. um, Homeowners do this thing where they like to manage projects without being at the residence. And what ends up happening is uh, sometimes they won't show up uh, to meet you at the job, to sign off on the paperwork, and then they'll say something along the lines of, oh, I get off the clock here at 6, I'll drop by, take a look at it, and if everything's good, I'll pay you in the morning. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. Like, we did the work, we want to get paid upon completion. So, you need to tell your customers that you need to meet them at the job site, or set up a service like DocuSign or something like that, where they agree to pay in full upon completion. Um, and that way you have a signed contract that they agree to those terms. Also on there should be your payment terms, what to expect on the job, make them sign off on that stuff because it's very, very important. You don't want them to try to screw you over later. So, um, always, always, always work with a contract. It does not matter if you're at someone's job and they called you for a standard bathtub and they want to add the tile and the shower and the kitchen countertops. And now this, job turned into a $7,000 job, let's say hypothetically. I I know it's not going to be that much, but let's say it turned into a $3,000 or $4,000 job. Even if that's the case, do not touch anything in any other room in that house until you have something signed. Because the only thing on that work order originally was the bathtub. If you don't have a, a new contract mocked up where you can like send it to them and be like, all right, I need you to sign off on this other stuff. You're going to get yourself in a world of fucking hurt, man. Most people, they'll be cool about it. They'll honor it. But there's going to be the one one day, the one that the one that seems like the coolest guy and is like really, really chill. He's going to end up being the one that makes your life hell. And you got to make sure you're prepared for it. You have a contract to back you up. Also, uh, anything that's with warranty, make sure they kind of have an idea of what to follow, how to care for it beforehand. Uh, so they're not surprised when they see in the back that they can't use abrasives or bleach or something like that. Especially if you're in the refish- refinishing industry. Um, you know, you can't use acids or bleach or something like that. That's super harsh on, on a refinished uh, bathtub. I'm fixing my hair. <laughs> uh, so you want to make sure that they kind of have that idea going in. Um, it's not going to be a deal killer for, for most people. But you, you just want to make sure that they have the idea of that going in. Because some people are going to be like, well, what am I supposed to clean it with? It's like all this stuff was outlined beforehand. You signed off on it. At this point, like, you know, it's it, it's not our problem. And that's kind of the gist of it. That's, you know, you want to have something to protect yourself. But also, for any customers out there, um, it goes both ways. The signed contract helps you as well. Because the expectations of the job on there. So if a contractor half-asses something that was in the paperwork, you have a signed documentation from them that this was, this was what, this was what was supposed to be done. Sorry, I'm trying to talk fast here. Um, and also, you know, you have your, your warranty sheet, the technicians that did the job, which should be on there. Um, and, and you know, you just have the information documented. So in case something happens, on the other end where they half-ass or fuck something up or don't want to honor a warranty, you have it written down, signed document that you agreed to these terms, that they made these terms so they should honor it. So it cuts both ways. It's something to protect both of you. But since I'm on the contractor side, I you know kind of want to educate more on why it's important because not enough contractors do 
have contracts, funny enough. <laughs> um, and, and the contract doesn't have to be a crazy seven-page document either. A simple piece of paper with outline outlining your terms, what's going to be done, the price, and you know that was agreed upon, and about how much time it's going to take is all you need. Um, so always, always, always work with a contract if they're trying to uh, if you're trying to upsell or they're trying to you know give you more work at the job site. Do not, do not, do not touch anything until you have something signed. Don't do it. Um, Another thing uh, that I wanted to talk about today, um, you know, kind of going off, veering off from the general advice uh, to small businesses or contracting companies and stuff like that. Um, I kind of wanted to touch on uh, stuff that's kind of more specific to our industry. Let me go ahead. I'm going to take a sip of this right here. I know. I know. You're, you don't want to hear it, but whatever. I'm going to do it. All right. Um something i want to talk about that's kind of industry specific to bathtub refinishing and, and this is something that, that'll be good for customers as well um but for some people who are new to bathtub refinishing um, these are some tips that'll help you um, and it's basically how to diagnose a bathtub and what i mean by that is to see what's wrong with it how to fix it um and kind of get an idea from a picture of what's going on so you know how to price it correctly um so uh, for customers, especially, this is what I'm going to start off with. Um, if your tub is peeling, your tub has been refinished before or painted before. That's it. <laughs> there's no, there's no, uh, you know, there's, there's no other alternative to what it can be. So I, I get a lot of times calls from customers who tell me the tub's never been refinished before and they'll be like, oh, but it's peeling. Sorry, honey. Porcelain doesn't peel, and neither does fiberglass. Um, it's been painted before, and they're adamant on it. Oh no, it's, it's never been painted. It's never been painted, and I'm like, okay, uh, are you sure? How long have you lived in the house? And sometimes, surprisingly, I mean, oh, I've lived here for 18 years. We never refinished it. Well, guess what it happened to me not too long ago? Uh, the lady ended up talking to her husband, and the husband said, "Hey, you remember when we installed the tile around the tub when we got the house? They dropped the tile, and they had it. They actually did have it refinished. Yeah." Porcelain doesn't peel, neither does fiberglass. If your tub is peeling anywhere, it's been refinished before, or at least touched up in the area with paint. But, you know, um, most of the time it's been refinished before, if that's the case. So you should know that. That's an easy, easy, easy indicator that a tub has been refinished before. Also, for people who are new to refinishing, if you start, you know, hand sanding a tub to get it ready for paint, and you see that it's peeling, that tub has been refinished before, and at this point, what you have to do is stop. Don't go. I know some of you are like, oh, out of the goodness of my heart, I'm going to strip this for free. Do not do that. This is something that it's taking money out of your own pocket if you're doing it. Stripping is something that could easily take an hour to two hours more, depending on the material. You don't know what's been applied on there. So don't go. Just, don't just go and spray over it. It needs to be removed. And don't remove it for free because it's something that can add an extra one to two hours of labor and interfere with the rest of your schedule. So what you have to do is stop, call the customer on the phone, let them know, hey, this is what we charge to strip it, and I'm going to send you a work order or a change order or an updated invoice, and I need you to sign off on it because now this is something else. And if they don't want to do it, and if they don't want to do it, walk away because those are the people that will give you problems. If you go, 
and you tell them, hey, this is what's supposed to be done. This is the proper way. We need to strip it off before we can refinish it. And they don't want to do it. And they say, oh, just paint over it. Do not do it. Do not do it. It doesn't matter what they say. They can say anything that they want on the phone. But guess what? The moment that starts to peel, they're going to be like, well, you're the professional. You should have told me. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, And if they do agree to it, great. You have an extra couple hundred bucks in your pocket or whatever you charge for stripping. Uh, Depending on how big the job is, you can have, you know, 50 to 100 extra bucks. And, and, you know, it's something that, you know, needs to be done to the tub to to do it properly anyway. But just don't do it for free, dude. Don't don't take money out of your own pocket. Stupid. Um, Another way to diagnose uh, your tub. And this is something I was talking about earlier, actually, uh, with my dad. uh, and I, I wanted to mention it today because I, I keep forgetting about it. But for customers and uh, pre-finishers, this is something that a lot of people just don't know. Um, when you see on the floor of the bathtub that's porcelain that it starts to look kind of gray and it becomes difficult to clean for you homeowners, you know what I'm talking about. And you just scrub the hell out of it. And for the life of you, it just, just you know it doesn't get better. It actually starts getting worse. What's actually happening is... That because you've been cleaning the tub so so, so abrasively, um, the porcelain has actually started to wear out on the bathtub. And what you're seeing, that gray-black look on the floor of the tub, actually is not uh, dirty at all. It's just the, the, the porcelain's worn away, and you're actually seeing the steel from the tub come through. Which is something that, if caught in time, is relatively not a big deal. Uh, especially if we're going to get it refinished, that's probably like the perfect time to do it right when it starts showing. And then after that, you want to use simple cleaners and stuff like that to avoid further you know, damage. But if you don't refinish it uh, or replace it and it has that, what's going to happen is uh, it's leaving the water exposed to the bare metal, which of course will lead to rust issues and you don't want that. So uh, for refinishers and for customers out there, your tub might not be dirty, even though it's impossible to clean, it might just be the fact that you wore it out by cleaning it with too abrasive of a cleaner or using a scrubby pad or something like that and wore out the porcelain. Um, and that's actually one of the most common uh, things that we get you know, for a refinishing job. One of the more common things is that, that, oh, the tub's dirty, it's impossible to clean, it looks disgusting, and actually it's the metal that's come through uh, because of them cleaning it so aggressively uh, on the porcelain. Um, and you know, those, there was just a couple of them. I'll probably get more things on how to diagnose the problem with your bathtub, but these are just, you know, uh, a couple things that I wanted to get on there. One more thing that I did want to mention when you're doing tile, and this is something for people who refinish bathtubs who do not install grout. And we're one of them. Uh, when you do refinish tile, you should diagnose, look at the tile, Make sure that there's not missing grout or cracks in the grout. Now, if there is, um, and if you're like us, you'd put a disclaimer and the customer would know about this ahead of time. So it's not a surprise. Um, But if there is, you need to let the customer know what's going to happen when you spray that white so they don't come out and think that you half-assed the job. Um, When there's not grout in between the tile lines, what tends to happen is you get these faint black cracks because the material has nothing to grab onto. A lot of people think that because we spray on epoxy that it's that epoxy shit that they see, you know, on Facebook. The Facebook moms are share uh, people doing epoxy countertops and something like that. Um, and it's not like that at all. This is um, 
high solid, low density. So it's high solids, but it's low density, so it can fit through a spray gun because it's sprayed out, and that you know yields the best results. Uh, but what you don't want to do is lie to them and tell them it's going to come out perfect or it's going to cover the grout lines and all this stuff because if it's missing grout or there's cracks in the grout that are substantial you're going to see these faint little black cracks in between the grout and at that point you just got to tell them hey you need to either caulk over this which you know is a quick fix but it's not the right thing to use or you need to go get some white grout and cover over that area and it'll blend right in but we don't do that we don't install grout we just refinish the tile this is something that's kind of a simple DIY, but it's not something that we do. And that's it. And you do not want to, if you're a refinisher that does not have experience with grout or does not install grout, don't start doing it. Grout problems, you know, grout problems can get really bad. Um, you know, water can start getting behind there if you, you know, remove the grout incorrectly. Next thing you know, you have to replace the backer board and start get, getting mold in the drywall. Don't, don't even leave that to the tile experts. Those are the people who know what the hell they're doing with that. Um, and another thing that I wanted to talk about before, before I, you know, get off of here for today, um, and, and you know, um, this is a question I get a lot from people who are uncertain about refinishing and is is refinishing the right choice and it just depends on a lot of factors um uh i always ask people uh, what do you value do you value your time and the convenience uh, and also you know do you or you know or are you someone that's expecting perfection do you want the bathroom to look perfect uh like something in a fucking magazine or something and we can make it look pretty pretty close but if someone's an absolute perfectionist and even the smallest speck of something is gonna piss them off then you know refinishing is not the right choice um so it really just depends on you um if you are a person that's like oh, i just need it to look nice and white and look presentable um you know and and you know get you know get a good quality job but i don't want someone tearing into my bathroom i don't want someone here for a week or two on end and i don't want to spend five or six thousand dollars on getting my bathroom redone well then refinishing is probably the right choice for you um but if you're on the other hand and you've got a little bit of money to burn and you know you know you wanted to have the bathroom exactly how you wanted and you want it to look perfect and you want it to look new then, re then you know, doing a renovation of the bathroom and just replacing the tub might be the answer for you. And, uh, you know, on the other hand, you also have uh, to, some other things to think about. Now, if your tub is a big ball of fucking rust and you still don't want to spend the five or six, you know, or let's say, you know, more for replacing a tub, it's probably more like three to four grand, depending on where you live. But if there's rust everywhere, I mean, we can kill the rust and make it look like it wasn't there, but we can only kill the rust on the surface. And a lot of the times, tubs rust from the inside out, so um, that might not be the best course of action for you either way. Even though you think refinishing is the right choice for you, I will tell you, I don't know about other companies, but I will tell you, you need to replace that tub. Because we can't warranty rust. Rust is unpredictable. If rust is um, you know, strong enough to eat through fucking bare metal, it's going to eat through an epoxy a lot easier. So that's something else you got to think about. You also have to think about, um, you know, long-term if, if, is this a place you're going to be living? Um, in which case, you know, maybe you do want to, uh, you know, go a different route. If, if you're thinking long-term and the tub has like a repair or something that needs to be done on it, uh, but then again, you know, there's so many benefits that outweigh it. Well, it doesn't take a lot of time. 
I'm busy. It's going to cost less money up front. It's still going to last me seven to 15 years if I, you know, care for it properly. Um, so really what, you know, the answer to the question of is refinishing the right choice is very much up to you. Um, what you value the pros and cons and weighing those options and really, uh, you know, find an honest company that's going to tell you the truth. Um, I remember a customer that called me a couple weeks ago and I had mentioned that on the other podcast, uh, the first episode, um, if you want Brit new out of the factory, you have to pay for it. That's you know referring to a customer that I had where she, you know, just kept calling me and, you know, Oh, but is it going to look painted? Is it going to look like this? And, you know, I'm worried and I'm like, listen, ma'am, like, just being honest with you, I, I I love to have your business, but what I hear from you is someone who wants something perfect. And if you don't want it to look painted, I don't know what, you know, that's the thing. I don't think it looks painted, but somebody might think it looks painted. And so when they start getting into very specifics, I don't want it to look like this and I don't want it to look like that. Sometimes I just recommend that they replace it because I don't know if we can meet those expectations and it's important to establish expectations. And I let her know this is a refinishing job. Now you say you don't want it to look painted. I don't think it looks painted. My personal opinion, I don't think it's going to look painted. Uh, I think we do a really good job, but to you, it might look like it's been painted. So, um, you know, and you know, I talked her, I talked her off of using us and it was almost a $3,000 job. It was like four bathrooms. I talked her away from using us. I told her the truth because in reality, I would rather have her go and get the bathroom that she wants rather than pay me three or four grand and not be happy with it. And then, you know, start pointing out shit that she doesn't like. And then it turns into a big mess and we're the ones responsible. So, um, you know, if you're weighing, you know, if you're weighing the options and seeing if refinishing is right for you, um, you just got to take things into account. What do you value? Uh, what do you like? You think that this is going to be the best thing for you long term? Do you care about the super long term? Do you just think, you know, maybe in 10 or 15 years, I'll just refinish it again? And a lot of people do it. Um, and, and, you know, a thing to keep in mind, I, I, it's, it might sound like I'm kind of throwing refinishing under the bus a little bit, but it is the right option for most people, in my opinion. Most people are not super, super perfectionist and they don't expect something to be brand new out of the factory without buying it. And that's, um, it's like when you go to a hotel, most hotels and resorts, they'll refinish their bathtubs, whether they like to admit it or not, because they're not going to yank out a thousand tubs. If it's a big resort, um, they get it refinished professionally. And those are the types of results that you can expect, you know, at a, at a moderate to nice hotel, odds are the tub has been painted or refinished before. And, um, so if you could live with something like that, I mean, it's a good quality job that's going to last you a long time and it looks good. Uh, but then again, if you're going to, you know, go over everything with a fine tuned comb and, you know, go there with, uh, with, uh, with a black light and look for any little indication that it's not right. Well, then that's just not, this isn't the right thing for you. It's just not. Okay. So I think I pretty much summed up everything I kind of wanted to talk about today. Um, I guess this is it. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll have another podcast out, you know, probably within a week or so. I kind of want to do it maybe weekly if I can. Um, but some very exciting things happen. I'll just let you guys in on it. Um, so my brother, who's the other owner, um, well, unfortunately, he's having health problems. But fortunately, uh, we're at the point now where we can hire outside people and uh, kind of, you know, have 
more employees. Uh, it's kind of been a tight knit group, you know, friends of family type of thing. But now we're hiring uh, people. And uh, we found someone to, to take a spot, which the one that's taking a spot is a family friend of ours. Uh, it's my brother's friend from high school, and he does a really good job. His name's Ralph. Um, uh, but um, we did hire another another uh, employee. That went well today. Um, and so I'm very excited about that so I can get my brother more involved in stuff like this, social media, and uh, hopefully moving into a new facility soon. So I'm super hyped about that. Um and other than that, that's pretty much all I wanted to share with you guys. If you guys have any questions or any topics you want me to cover more in depth, just let me know and I'll try to squeeze it into the next show or so. Uh, but other than that, this has been the official Bathtub Refinishing podcast powered by Bathtub Guys Refinishing. And I'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you. You just listened to the official Bathtub Refinishing Podcast, powered by Bathtub Guys Refinishing. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to ask any questions or suggest topics for the next episode by following at Bathtub Guys on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And thanks for listening.